Yes, a warm welcome to Campbell's Footballs, the only podcast where bad predictions are cancelled out by good crack. So far this year on Campbell's Footballs, I've had a pretty much male-dominated guest appearing on the show. Well, this week, that is about to change, as I am joined by one half of Aberdeen FC women on this week's show. I'll be joined by Emma Hunter to discuss a magnificent season for Aberdeen FC women, who won the SWFL Division 1 North Trophy not too long ago. I'll be discussing with Emma about life in management, the success of their season and where they see themselves going forward in the future. I'll also discuss a little bit more openly with Emma about women's football going forward. Has the success of the Women's World Cup inspired some of her team? This is the only show where bad predictions are cancelled out by good crack. This of course is Campbell's Footballs in association with Toby Johnson Music. So I'm really excited to be joined on this Campbell's Footballs podcast uh, by one half of the Aberdeen women's team, uh, Emma Hunter. Emma, hello and welcome to the show. Hello and thank you for having me on. It's uh, obviously a, a great honour to chat to you and everyone loves talking about football so I'm more than happy to chat away. Emma, you're in a really unique position because you're actually my first female guest I've had on this podcast. So you're in a really honoured position here and I feel really honoured to have you on as well. So thanks very much for taking up the offer. No, you're welcome and um, I hope I don't let you down. To be honest now, so there's a bit of pressure on you. So, <laughs> um, um, honestly, there's absolutely no pressure. Um, yeah. For those of you who maybe don't know yourself, can you explain a little bit more about um, the Aberdeen uh, Women Ladies setup? Yeah, of course. So, um, women's football in Aberdeen has been quite prevalent for, um, it goes way back in the history of even as far back as like 60s and 70s. And actually, I think Aberdeen was one of the, the first ever women's team to be established in terms of women's football in Scotland. So, it's got a huge history. So, yeah, women's football is not new in the city. Uh, and Aberdeen ladies, in fact, have been a club for, for quite a few decades now. Um, and they've been flying the flag kind of solo as a club mm-hmm. um, with a little bit of backing from Aberdeen Football Club in terms of now and again there would be some sort of partnership where they'd maybe get the strip or there'd be a little bit of support. But it was just uh, recently this year that the club fully embraced the women's team and, and took them on board and um, under that professional type banner in terms of um, the club taking um, full ownership of that that team. So what was Aberdeen Ladies is now uh, being established as uh, Aberdeen Women's uh, Football Club. Yeah. Um, and that's, at the moment, that sits with the first team. So Aberdeen Women's team, the first team, which is the senior team that compete, are the ones that sit within the, the Aberdeen Football Club. Then Aberdeen Ladies still exist okay. as uh, its own entity and club. Um, so they still have the young pathways um, coming up as well. So, yeah, we hope to as the years go on build that relationship even stronger and hopefully have a more formal link with the even younger age groups as well I think women's football especially in the last sort of sort of decade really I was going to say five years but I would argue that, that a decade now has really kicked off um, especially with the sort of um, you know success of the Women's World Cup this summer and, and obviously the European Championships as well and Scotland really doing well as well yeah exactly I think um 
women's football has sort of peaked in lots of different countries at different times and probably in the US probably quite some time ago it kind of did get a bit of recognition other Scandinavian countries in the past like Italy and even in there as well teams have been professional um, so yeah I think the big thing about probably um, over in the UK is that there's been a, a bit of success um, with the national team and always when you see that sometimes you do see that ripple effect because they've qualified for the World Cup uh, and the Euros um, there has been a little bit more coverage and then that success just breeds a little bit of success so yeah I think over over the, the, the last five to ten years we've seen a massive increase in, in popularity and in participation as well in women's football but I think that's due to the success of the World Cup and you know these women being on the stage there and, yeah. and being recognised on TV uh, I think social media and um, you know, television have made a big impact on that as well, which is a real positive. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I mean, I, I for my, I wouldn't say my sense, that's harsh. I uh, really enjoy watching the women's um, football league show on. Uh, I think it's on BBC late at night, but I watch it on iPlayer. And I, if I'm right in saying it's now presented by Ailey Barber, who is uh, very yeah. much involved now, and I think she has Rachel Brown Finnis, or she used to have Rachel Brown Finnis on. And, you know, there, there's people like um, Sue Smith are really kind of promoting the game yeah. really highly. Um, you know, um, um, people like that. It's it's just fantastic to to see the the coverage growing in that. Emma, I just wanted to kind of uh, kick off by saying, what made you want to get into uh, the world of football in the first place? Uh, again, it's just something that naturally happened when I was really young. So I I don't know. Some people I think they're brought into by brothers or sisters or or family or dads or parents. Um, but for me, I just think it was something that I was always destined to do, that like no one actually introduced me into football. It was just something that naturally happened. Um, and in actual fact, probably you're, you've just been chatting to Lee Mayer and he was someone that I played football with at school yeah. at a very young age. So um, I used to play uh, with the likes of Lee Mayer in the school team and things. But back in that, Back at that time in the 90s, it was against the law for a girl to play yeah. with the primary yeah. school, so I actually couldn't the boys, so just continued playing. So my love of football was just from a playing perspective. Um, and then I've just become really passionate about um, football and the challenges that I've had as a female in the sport. It's something that I've always tried to, to look at as a, as a positive and try and allow females to grow in the sport mm. um, so for me it's just about keeping look at growing women's football and you know I love football but for me I'm really passionate about women's football as well so it's really important that I stay connected to that and try and play a part or a, a small role in helping young girls uh, achieve their dreams really. Absolutely and I think that's, that's fundamentally important and I've really noticed and certainly in the last 10 years how there's a, a lot more acceptance now that the women's game is is certainly becoming much more appealing as, as you say with, with social media and television coverage it can only be a, a good thing. Um, you mentioned Lee Mayer there about um, playing with him at, at school and things like that. Was he an inspiration or were, were there other people that inspired you to get involved in the game? Um, yeah I think um, when you're young you probably don't realise that people around you are inspiring you all the time. It's not till you get older you start to think, oh, that's my inspiration or that's what I'm achieving. For me, for me, it was just because I, I loved to play in it. There wasn't really um, anything that... It's just such an, an enjoyable sport and in terms of that, that team spirit and, and bringing you together with friends and, um, 
yeah, it was just something that naturally happened. But yeah, there was a lot of people in my life that I probably look back at now and say, yeah, they played a big part and inspired me. And, um, I think I think we, we fail to recognise that. It doesn't have to be those people that are mm-hmm. high up and mm-hmm. inspiring you. It's the day-to-day people in your life that yeah. actually keep you going. And, and for me, yeah, um, probably that example of Lee Mayer now, looking at that, we've both come from similar backgrounds, but, you know, Lee's had a really professional career, but it was something that was never available to me. And yeah. that's probably the now that I would dream of that happening for, for the, you know, someone looking at myself back then, if I could have that dream um, and to play professional, that's what I'd like to see for the young girls now. That would be absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Can you can you um, give a sort of memory of when you kind of kicked off in the you know professional game as a, as a first of all a player, and then obviously when you transferred into more of the management setup? Yeah, so um, I think football gave me real opportunities in terms of um, allowing me probably academically probably was never really that interested it was always sport that that was what drove me um i managed to get a scholarship to go to the usa and play there for four years and study at the same time uh opportunities that you know would never have been there if i hadn't played the sport so yeah i got a real a real opportunity to play in different countries i, I played in sweden for a little while as well um so yeah that that was really what what football offered me and it, it was almost like um my my career in a way it was that opportunity of football gave me so yeah. and then in terms of being in the US in order to, to sort of keep myself going earn a little bit of money I did some coaching on the side just to get some money so that I had something and it just kind of grew from there so I had a bit of coaching background just from a really young age because I, I had to make money um, and then just realised that once I'd finished football there was you know an opportunity to to help some young girls and then once you once you start it's almost like playing again you get a bug for it yeah absolutely um, yeah um you obviously said that you were in the us and sweden how different is the culture and the setup of the women's game over there compared to scotland yeah yeah back then as well it was it was drastically different i think we're closing that gap now now uh, in this day and age but maybe back when I, I went to the US maybe in the 1990s and in Sweden it was it was drastically different it was night and day really in terms of the perception in terms of the facility and the support you actually got over there um, and then even in terms of the ability and, and, and the playing ability as well was so different but that was just simply due to investment into the female game and the sport um, and also people just uh, that acceptance that it, it wasn't a male dominant sport in these types of countries so yeah it was hugely different um, yeah the, the facilities and the training and the opportunities that you got was massive yeah so um, but I would say now looking at the setup that you look at the, the English game just passed this weekend with the crowds that they've had at their games and, and more and more women being able to play professional that gap is definitely closing um, you look over in the US at the moment and yeah they, they're still drawing in bigger crowds and they're probably earning a lot more money but I think that gap is is now starting to close which is really positive You you touched on what I was actually going to ask as my next question which is the crowds in uh, England I mean you made a fantastic point about I think it was Spurs Arsenal at the weekend wasn't there where they had a really yeah. good uh, attendance and I, if I'm right in saying I think Arsenal won 2-0 and I think Kim Little got one of the goals didn't she? Yeah and I think like 
Kim Little's a, a great advocate of someone that's come from the sort of this area in the north of you know playing for Mint Laws a yeah. young girl and, and now look at the look what she's just gone and played in front of it it's truly amazing and and an actual fact we're seeing these records crowds this is breaking almost. Um, every month now at the moment in women's football we're, um, we're seeing different records cropping up in different places and even in Scotland when before they went to the World Cup when they played Jamaica at Hamden um, we broke records for crowds that's right so, yeah yeah. Um, yeah there's there's huge huge strides happening but it's really really important that a Scotland doesn't fall behind and B we, we get a hold of this momentum and make Absolutely. sure that we don't miss an opportunity yeah, no, I completely agree. And you mentioned about and you mentioned about um, key players and that involved as well. And I think the English setup as well. And we'll, we'll touch obviously on the Scotland setup and the leagues and that in a moment. But I think the setup in the English um, English leagues is fantastic because you at the top you've got Chelsea, Man City, and uh, Arsenal. Really, the, the sort of main three at the top of the end. You have Manchester United who are really kind of trying to push quite a lot of emphasis into things going forward. You've got Everton who are, who had a great win against Liverpool at the weekend. You've, you've got a lot of good teams there and and it's a really competitive league yeah it's it, it's brilliant and i was actually really fortunate enough um a few months ago to actually get the opportunity to go to chelsea and spend um two or three days with emma hayes and the chelsea team mm -hmm. so she's um, fantastic yeah like for me you talk about inspiration and, and just spending that that day hearing from Emma Hayes and, and the challenges and things that she's had to come up against and the barriers that she's breaking broken down in terms of what she's got at Chelsea now has been unbelievable yeah, um, yeah it's fantastic like uh, the resources that they've got the, and for me it's it's the, the club really behind the women's teams and it's the Chelsea's and the Manchester City's and the Manchester United's you can see that the club's really behind them and they're they're really pushing them forward which is really really brilliant Um yeah, it's all it's all down to having the the right facilities to train and the staff and being able to allow the players to train more often mm. because that's one of the things that we need to work on. This is that the game has to be attractive and we get that. In order to, for people to come watch, it has to be enjoyable. But we can only get there if we can allow the women to to train every day to be better players, for the ball to move quicker, for them to move quicker. So for me, that's probably where we need to just keep building on so yeah it's it's fantastic to see these big clubs now taking the women on board and, and hopefully these clubs will see an investment in return in terms of eventually there will there will be income to generate from this as well for the mm -hmm. women's side so yeah hopefully they're maybe investing some money but in return i think that that could potentially come back even you look at some of the stadiums as well i know that they get to play out of these big stadiums now like Chelsea played at Stamford Bridge which is fantastic and you maybe get people going to those games at Stamford Bridge that they maybe can't go and watch a Chelsea maybe because A they can't get the tickets or B they can't afford them absolutely so Absolutely. Gives you different audiences as well. Well, this is it. This is it. And it can only be a positive thing for the sport going forward. Um, just a sideways question, because you mentioned about training facilities and stuff like that. Yeah. Obviously, Aberdeen have just opened Cormac Park recently. Did the Aberdeen women get an opportunity to use that training facilities as well as the men? Yeah, so um, we've actually been training there in the last couple of weeks. Super. Um, so, yeah, it's been, it, that's fantastic. And that's... Uh, really what's going to make a difference for us as well um, what's what's generally happened in Aberdeen over maybe the last five or ten years is with you know with Kim Little, Rachel Courses, Rachel Boyle, Shannon McGregor's that have all 
come from Aberdeen. Yeah. But they've all moved away because obviously there's opportunities there and that's fantastic. But love to see the day where we can actually take those players here in Aberdeen because we've got great training facilities, we've got the back of the club, and we've got an opportunity to do education up here and play football. And I think that's something that we hope we can have here. And yeah, having Corvette Park, that home of football for us is going to make a massive difference so yeah we're 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 really pleased and the facilities are brilliant as well so yeah absolutely chuffed very positive going forward that's for sure now obviously you've had you had a bit of a professional career you moved into uh, into management um and this year you girls um and you're led by yourself and uh, um, Harley, I think is your number yeah. is your kind of partner in crime. Yeah. Um, yeah, won the SWFL one championship this year, so fantastic accomplishment, and also to go unbeaten as well, which is a phenomenal accomplishment as well. Yeah, I think we've like we always reflect on everything, and I guess it's a time to reflect the season. Yeah, it was really positive, unbeaten. Probably looking back, wasn't the perfect season. There was things we could have definitely have done better in, but we recognise that, and we're. We're actually a really young team, and um, everything that we're doing is building towards the future. So, <coughs> yeah, as long as our performances are good, results will come eventually. So, we're looking forward to the next challenge because, really, that level you'd probably people externally would expect us to win that league and quite comfortably, mm. which is fine. We accept that as well. But it's now moving up to the next league where we're coming in a really strong league where we've got Dundee United, Partick, Thistle you know, we've got Hamilton in that league, Kilmarnock, it's going to be a really, really competitive league and we're really looking forward to it. I was just trying to work out the structure of the, the Scottish set, but I was I was slightly confused so you might want to enlighten me a little bit with that so mm-hmm, where, yeah. so where do, so Glasgow City obviously in the in the top league, is the league that you're about to move in the league below or is it a joint? Yeah or? To lead below. There's, a, there's an SWPL one, which is like the top league, Premier League. So you've got Glasgow City, Hibs, uh, Rangers, and Celtic yeah. in that league. And then there's SWPL two, which is the one below that one. Which is yeah, you're right. That's the one that we're we're actually going into for the the next season. So yeah, you've you've also got obviously you've got Glasgow City have been a top side for well the last thirty years, but yeah. um, they've created something brilliant there, and they've probably been. Um, where everyone's been trying to aim for. So yeah, I was going to ask if they the sort of. I, I was going to ask if they were the benchmark to, to sort of aim towards because they've been absolutely flying, obviously in the league, but also in Europe as well. Yeah, they still are, which is fantastic. Yeah, of course. That, that, of course. That's all been through. Like they've not had that connection with that professional club. It's been, you know, a group of people that have come together to to pull that together. So that's been fantastic. Yeah, and and they always have been the sort of benchmark and. I think it's important for Scottish football that there is competition and we can compete with Glasgow City and there are more and more teams can do that because that's only going to benefit the teams like Glasgow City themselves to come up against strong competition every week so that we can then compete in Europe. Yeah, absolutely. I think they lost recently, didn't they, to Celtic uh, 4-1 away from home, I think, uh, Glasgow City. Um, and obviously, as, as we've just said, they, they beat Bronby on penalties uh, recently as well. So, yeah, really exciting times for them. Um Kind of enlighten me a little bit on training, because um, I think a lot of people listening to this podcast will be interested to know about the sort of setup. Um, is there any rituals? Is there any structure? Uh, well, I would assume there would be a structure, but how would you and Harley sort of set up a, a traditional training session with the girls? Yeah, so um, it's really important. Yeah, we have, like most clubs, we we have a philosophy and a style and, and a culture 
that we've that's probably what we've been working on in the last year or so. Mm-hmm. So everything that we do always refers back to that that philosophy, that culture, that style. Um, so yeah, typical training we'd probably <coughs> look at everything we'd would embed back to our philosophy and what we're trying to achieve. On the Tuesday we'd probably do some conditioning work within that session, but it would be, you know, quite a quite a, a session that'd be quick, a lot of a ball activity and things as well, just get the girls ticking over after the the weekend's match. Wednesday they go in and do a strength and conditioning session which is specific to them. Yeah. Building on um, some of the key attributes you need in your position-specific work, um, and also just generally fitness work that you need to work on. And then on the Thursday, we'll, we'll often um, come to training early and do a little bit of analysis on the match that we just played, mm. or it might be analysis on the team we're about to play. So that'll be watching some video footage, analysing how they play, how they'll set up, and then we'll take that onto the pitch work on some real specific training on how we're going to approach the Sunday's match um, and we'll really focus on, again, referring back to the philosophy and style. Then um, on the Friday night, we'll quite often come back in, do a little bit of shape and work on the pitch, making sure we've got some clear direction um, and then Sunday would be our match day. And how much roughly would you get at a, a, a match day? Because I, I think am I right in saying you play games at the Chris Anderson Stadium at the Sports Village in Aberdeen? Yeah, so that's been our home ground at the moment, is uh, the Sports Village, and um, we're hoping that potentially the matches can be played at Cormac Park next season. But mm. um, we don't have to work scheduling for that. But yeah, I mean, in terms of um, people come to watch. Probably the most we had is when we were probably playing Rangers in the quarterfinal. Maybe has 400 people watching. Um, so yeah, that's something we'd like to build on. And we know as we move up the leagues and the competition gets greater and the football gets better, I think we hopefully can can get more crowds. But um, I think that's probably something that the club will, will work on as well in terms of strategy. Look to maybe see if there's a game on an international break where yeah. we can play we can play and try and get some Dons fans. And I think that's what we need to try and do is that I think what the women's game can do is it can it can engage different types of fans. It yeah. could be young girls, it could be females, it could be families. But I also think that it's, it's a way to engage some of the Dons fans as well to get them to come along and see some of the games and I think they'll be they'll be rightly impressed and actually maybe want to come back as well so I think um, as as the next season goes I'm sure the the club will be working on a strategy to see if we can get more and more fans to the games and have you been taking any or taking or getting any advice from your uh, the counterpart of the men's team Derek McInnes at all men's team are great I mean um, because we're relatively new and and, and We've probably been quite focused on ourselves um, this first season. Um, it's been quite difficult to get that together, but yeah, they're they're really open to to help and support and often. You um, quite often I've, I've spoke to Paul Sheeran, who who um, I've said to him, "Well, can can we come and watch your sessions and maybe um, take some notes and things?" And they're they're quite open to helping and supporting us, and and it's nice because we actually fall under the youth academy management of Gavin Levy, so. 
we've also got got that support mechanism there in terms of awesome. CQV and in, in services and things. So yeah, there's loads of support from the club, and the, and you know, it's you just need to ask sometimes, and you and you'll get it. But yeah, definitely, yeah, it, it's a it, it's really good that it is there to, to get that support. But yeah, I think that that relationship will grow and grow as years goes on, and we have to be cautious that it's only been the first year, or so. Um, but that relationship will grow as the years go on as well. Absolutely, I think that's very important to have that cohesion and that um, kind of coordination with uh, with the men's and the women's teams. I think it is very, very important. Um, just with regards to the players, and you don't have to answer this question if it's a bit um, kind of forward, but um, are there any sort of cheeky people in the in the dressing room that that really enlighten the team or are really determined and work hard? Is there any sort of characters? Hundred percent. The team's full of character, isn't that? I really like that about women's football as well. This is it. You've got all different uh, types of players, and I think that's maybe what's different about the the men's professional teams. I don't don't think you see them in that light quite as often. But yeah, we've we've got women in our team that are chartered engineers that that work so hard during the daytime, and they they get to train at night after a stressful day. We've got teachers that have probably had to deal with unruly kids all day and then mm. let loose on the pitch at night which is great um, we've also got some really promising young players that are youth internationalists so we've got under 19 Scotland players and under 17 players um, yeah and, and some of the youngsters can be really cheeky and try and get away with things <laughs> and, um, yeah we've, we've got a great bunch and we've got such a good mix um, in terms of our relationship between the oldest players at 30, 31 years old right down to we've got 15 year olds in our team so yeah it's it's having that it's just fantastic and and, it, and I think that's maybe the dynamics are slightly different with men and women's team because obviously like women are slightly different from men and yeah so yeah that dynamics really works that young and old but yeah we've, we've definitely got a few characters in the squads a lot that like singing um, uh-huh. so yeah like a bit of karaoke and me poor me and Harley have got a lot of rubbish music on the buses <laughs> but, um, yeah like that's probably one of the key things this season if we've built a really good internal relationship with the players and and even with the coach and staff to the players as well we've got a great relationship and none of us get paid to do this we do it because we love football Yeah, we do it because we're there on a pitch on a Sunday for each other and because we love football and that's you can't take that away from us in a way at the moment and that's what we're all there for and it's, it brings you together. Um, so yeah, we do it We do it because we love it, no other reason than that and that's really important. Yeah, the camaraderie in, in any football team is fantastic. I mean, it's and very important as well. I mean, I'm, I'm involved with Ellen United um, Junior Football Club oh, yeah. most Saturdays and uh, yeah. the, ke- the chemistry and the camaraderie with the players and the management staff uh, uh, certainly most weeks is absolutely fantastic. I mean, we, we're, we, as we're recording this on, well, we're, we're Wednesday night recording this, uh, Ellen are playing Gart Cairn in the last 32 of the Scottish Junior Cup on Saturday down in, down in Airdrie, yeah. so uh, I know that's going to be quite a good uh, quite a good day. And win or lose or draw, if it goes to a replay, of course, um, should be really good. Yeah. But I just, just you saying there, just that camaraderie with the players and that, it, it just makes everyone feel a bit more at ease, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think for us, uh, myself and Harley, that would be important. When we came in, um, the players had, I don't know if you're aware of this, but when the Aberdeen ladies had actually suffered quite a few um, relegations previously. Mm. Um, so they, they, the Aberdeen ladies had been in the Premier League for quite a number of years and been really successful. Um, but over the last three years, of, 
they've kind of dropped down in the leagues a wee bit and that's why they ended up in the league that we, we were in. Um, so yeah, it, it was so important. We came in with real positive messages and, and try and get that fun element back and that enjoyment and winning games again was, was so important. So that was probably one of the key things for us was to, to make sure that that side of it, if you don't get that side of it right, you'll never get it right Absolutely. on the pitch. Yeah. I'll never... It'll never work on the pitch. They both come hand in hand as well. If you're not doing things on the pitch, then it's difficult to get that that positiveness and togetherness as well. So it's a fine balance. And yeah. So yeah, it's it's important that you don't spend too much time on the pitch and not enough time off the pitch, yeah. and vice versa. So mm-hmm. we've spent a lot of time on how we do things off the pitch as well. Yeah. Um, is there any sort of uh, lasting memories that you can take from uh, trips away or? Obviously, the success of winning the league championship this year must have been a fantastic party afterwards, I take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think um, obviously winning the league was, was great, but I think that happened gradually. I think um, for me, the biggest thing was probably doing so well in the Scottish Cup. Um, I remember I was away from home and they were a big club. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Premier League so um, it was probably our, our, our one test actually of like how how ready are we to move up the next levels and and we went down our way to Spartans in that Scottish Cup just thinking we just need a good performance we need to show where we're at and we actually came away over we 1-0 down at half time and we turned the game around and managed to win 2-1 and mm-hmm. that to me was probably uh, one of the best feelings in terms of yeah, we did it, and we're we're still capable. We're still up there, and we can compete with these teams. So, and the attitude that was shown to come from one nil down to to two one up, yeah. Um, shows, yeah great, shows, shows great mental strength to come back from a goal yeah. down as well, especially away from home. Yeah, um, especially with the young team that we've got as well was fantastic. So, yeah, that was probably one of the highlights. Yeah. Um, in the league, but yeah, there's been so many um, throughout the season a lot of positives and, and that's what we wanted and we just need to build on that again next season Well that was what was my, my next question is obviously you're now moving up a division what what there's two kind of questions to this what I, I take it the worst one's probably quite easy what excites you most just that probably that challenge of competing against teams that are a little bit of a higher level from what you've played previously I'm, I'm guessing is the answer to that question yeah I think that that's it and um, it's just that you know I'm not taking anything away from the league that we're in but there was games that we probably were comfortably winning um, you know 9-0 etc so mm. it'll be good to get those games that really challenge as a coach as well where you know you maybe tactically need to do something in order to change the game and, and really test our players our philosophy and what we've been working for over the last year test the players as well yeah. in terms of um their mentality as well, I think, because I think that's probably one of the things as a footballer is it's okay to have the technical ability, but do you have the mental ability as well to Absolutely. cope with certain situations? And I'd, and and that's what we want. And for me, it's it's about developing those young players to be the best that they can be as well. So seeing them up against better players week in week out will make them better players. And I guess I'm excited for lots of different things. And and in terms of I want to see, I'm excited to see individual players development I'm mm. excited to see our development as a squad and as a team um, how we can compete um, yeah so there's there's lots of challenges ahead that we're really excited about but um, we're more than prepared for them so, um, but we also need to be realistic that we're a really young team 
um, we've just started, we've had a good successful year, so um, we, we need to be realistic, and this is going to be a hard league, so yeah. we need to we need to just play well, um, take every game as it comes, I know that's a cliche, but yeah. it's true, yeah. just focus on the game ahead, and then we'll see what happens, no pressure this season at all. You mentioned the mental side of the game, and I think in any sport, the mental side is is probably just as important as the physical side I mean I mean I, I play bowls and darts in my spare time and and it, it really is such a such a mental strength to your game and if you can really be strong in that areas then that that accounts for quite a lot I think I'm sure you agree yeah yeah um, I don't know I, I don't know what uh, people's experiences but sometimes in the north we've we've got that reputation or you, you notice that we're we're quite timid we're quite reserved actually and you, but sometimes when you come come up against teams down south and they're really confident sometimes or they yeah. come across confident and they challenge you um we can uh we can sometimes break down and go into our shells and that's that's something that we need to make sure that we don't do this season yeah and that's quite easy to do as a young player because uh, you've not been in those situations the more times you're in a situation the better you become in them so it, it can be really challenging and and the mental side as well I think that's something that we probably don't coach enough in yeah. terms of like uh, off the pitch uh, you know dealing with resilience and, and things like that we're young nowadays so yeah I think that's something that we need to work on off the pitch as well as on the pitch yeah and uh, but you've got to be in those situations more often Definitely. to be able to cope better at them. So um, that's what we need to do. We need to be in those situations more and more often as young players to, to get them used to it. It's the same at international level. We'll quite often see our players doing really well um, within, within their nationally within their own leagues. But when you go and play international football against different countries, it, it can be completely different for them. Mm-hmm. And they struggle at times to deal with that. So... Even at a national at a national level as well, that's something that we need to need to get better at. Is the dream in time to have some of your players represent Scotland on the biggest stages? Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. That's probably um, what I'm what I'm probably involved in coaching for. It's, it's um, to me, I'll forget about what happened this season. That's like that'll be that'll be gone I'll, I'll probably forget about all those moments but I'll never forget the player that's standing in front of a giant crowd or whether it be at international level or just at national level just to see them succeed and do that things that's that's what I'll remember Yeah. and that's what I'll take to my grave in a sense that I've achieved that's my achievement is to see those individual players doing so well and, and, and it doesn't have to be you know, at that huge stage, just doing well at their level is is all you can ask for. Um, so yeah, that's that's probably what would probably make me proud. Um, we've already got that. We've got players that represent their country and and, and do that. Um, but just seeing them go on and do anything well in their life would make me would make me happy and proud. Absolutely, and, and, and I was kind of leading on to my next, well, next kind of two-part question. Has Shelley Kerr, the Scotland women's manager, come to watch any of your games yet? Um, she was actually um, at our lunch. <laughs> so we had a, an awards lunch, which was fantastic, that the club set up. Uh, and Shelley was actually invited to attend, so she she obviously met all the players. Um, she knows quite a few of them already in terms of, like, because they represent the national squad, she'll quite often go and watch them, etc. Um, 
So yeah, I think she's aware. Sees a lot of the players um, in terms of seeing one of our matches. Probably hasn't had that opportunity yet, but uh, hopefully when we're up in the SWPL two, she'll probably be at a few games. Um, but yeah, um, Shelley's uh, been brilliant, and she was brilliant at the lunch as well uh, in terms of inspiring young women and young girls to to get involved in the sport and do as well as they can do. Yeah. And every time I've met Shelley, her one key message is enjoy it yeah and yeah. i think uh, that's one of our key statements and one of our key messages to young players and any player really is to just enjoy it yeah uh, i i so. was pre- i was pretty sure i bumped into her um last year actually at the sports village when ellen united were playing again and i walked past her i was near as damn sure it was her and and I, she said hello to me and uh and she, I don't know if she knew who I was. I, I, she, I don't know what happened. I, I was kind of a little bit, you know, kind of do- all over the place at the time because I was, I was a bit lost. And then when I was going back home in the car, I kind of thought that was her. <laughs> so I was a little bit, little bit of a mirror for me. <laughs> yeah, she did. She did. I do remember she was at. She was at the sports village because she was doing like a, a regional insert type thing at the sports village. Uh, ah. I remember I, I coached this Scotland national team at 16s. I'm the assistant coach for them as yeah. well. So we were actually doing a training camp at the sport village. So it might have been because she was at that. It might have been there that could, could, that was at the weekend. Could very could very well have been. Um, certainly the success that that Shelley has had with the Scotland ladies must inspire yourselves as well. They obviously did really well at the Women's World World Cup this summer. But actually, I felt very unlucky not to have got more than the one point that they got. Yeah, I think um, it's one of those things, isn't it? You get caught up in the moment um, with the World Cup. I think before the World Cup, we were probably all elated we actually got there. Yeah. Uh, and that was a massive achievement. Yeah. And as the World Cup sort of, you sort of get, get caught up in it, that World Cup fever, oh, like, oh, yeah, we've got a chance now, we're good, you know, we've done really well. And they did do really well in their two games. Um, and they just needed that against Argentina and I, I think we all got caught up in it and I think we were, uh, probably Shelley and all the players were deeply disappointed obviously but mm-hmm. if you if you reflect a little bit I think actually we should be really proud of what we achieved there Absolutely. And, and we did do really well against some of the best teams in the world like Japan are fantastic and they have been for a long time um, and yes things went against a wee bit but it would be Scotland performance if, if it so I think I think uh, it, it can be so easy to, to sort of be deeply disappointed with what happened in the result, but equally look back and, and see the positives that, that we got out of that as well. And do you know what? I know, I, I know Shelley and the squad will make it again. Yeah, I think they will as well. I think they've got a lot of things going for them. Um, because I was going to bring you on a little bit to obviously, obviously you said about Japan, but England as well under Phil Neville, or you know, had a really good tournament as well in in Scotland's group, and you know, they they possibly could have gone all the way themselves. Exactly, we had we knew we knew right away we had a really tough group, and it would take a lot for us to get out of it. Because yeah, you're you've got England, Japan in there, and and you never know. I get teams like Argentina. Sometimes it, they can't really challenge to play against. So, um, I think, and yeah, and you're right. England, England are, are probably slightly ahead terms like they've been playing a lot of their players have been playing professional and abroad for quite some time yeah. so think about it a step ahead in development but so many of our Scottish players now that well all, all of them are almost playing in professional 
Titans now, so they're, they're getting the best training, the best experiences. So, yeah, I only see Scotland getting better now that we've got that experience in the World Cups and, and we're getting more and more players into professional setups. It's great, and I, I, I still think that Shelby and the team have got plenty more opportunities to show they're capable of. Yeah, definitely. I think that's very important. And of course, we talked about England. It's it's not every day you get matched by an by an international actually played for their country as well, and Phil Neville. So, uh, yeah, not bad oh, at yeah, all. Yeah. Um, oh, well, it just shows because actually the, Neville's under a bit of pressure at the moment because yeah, he hasn't he had such a result recently. So, I mean, it shows you like experience and all those things. Football, football, sometimes in it. It's not always just black and white. It it can be challenging to come up against a lot of teams that can go great at times, a hundred percent. That's what happened in the World Cup as well. But you learn from them and you move on. Yeah, well, obviously, look what's happened to Maurizio Pochettino losing his yeah. job uh, recently. I, mean, I don't think many of us saw that one coming. Um, we're pretty much coming to the end of the interview, uh, Emma. But I've just what kind of one real. Final question before I then ask you to give your predictions at the end of the show. Um, where do you see women's game going in the next five, ten years? Yeah, it's quite a challenging question. Um, there's definitely going to be development. I definitely see that. I think things are things are going to move now, and I think the women's women's football has been the fastest growing sport for a long time now and it's and it, and it has been changing it's getting better there are more, more people want to watch the games yeah I think I think we just need to be mindful as well that we won't get too carried away yeah. either in terms of you know demanding like getting the, the biggest the more money involved in it because you, you know like Clubs in, clubs in Scotland now, it's business, football's business now and it can be challenging, it can be difficult, so I think it's important that we all really work hard on the infrastructures and we make sure that things are sustainable, um, we make sure we do things sensibly, we get carried away with it, we make sure that this is going to work for the long term and not just something short term, it's going to be great, but then it'll take a long term. Yeah. I think the USA did that uh, maybe I think it was like 20 years ago where they invested so much money in the game and then it collapsed because it couldn't sustain it mm. um, so it's really really important that it, it's got to be a slow and gradual process as well at the same time and, and we make sure that the, that we're investing in it is it's sustainable is at a sustainable level and can continue to grow it for a, a longer term if that makes sense yeah, definitely. I think it's very important that the, the momentum, as you say, is kept, but obviously yeah. kind of approach it with a degree of caution as well. There is one last question that I've just thought about before we move on to my predictions, which is kind of a little bit of the theme of my show these days. Um, yeah. when, 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 <laughs> when does the uh, season recommence for you girls? Or has it commenced still early again? Um, so um, what will happen is uh, we'll, we'll start training again, but straight back. January and um, mm-hmm. for pre-season and then the, we should get the fixtures released by the end of uh, December sure. <laughs> the start roughly it'll probably be the end of February beginning of March is when the season will kick off so it's summer season yeah. uh, the idea with that is that hopefully it's not in competition generally with the men's game so yeah. there's periods of time where there's no men's football so it's an opportunity to get behind the, the women's game um, and that's been that I think clubs across Scotland can use and can promote um, 
to get fans along and support their women teams when uh, a lot of the men's fixtures are finished as well. So, yeah, that's it when we start again. So, uh, we're uh, there's no massive break for us. Awesome. Well, I'll certainly try my best to come to a couple or certainly two or three of your games um, in the coming season. So, really good luck for when the season recommences again. Um, Thank you, and I'll hold you to that. I'll be looking out for you. Excellent, excellent. I love that. So, I, I'm, now, I'm, now under, I'm now under the caution of it to come to the games now, so I'll definitely be yeah. coming. Now, Emma, as I always do on my show, um, the guests who come on my show battle that out against myself in my weekly predictions challenge. Now, Lee is already on and is... And it's really nice that you're on as well this week because it means I've got two people battling it against me on my predictions this weekend, <laughs> both in the Scottish Premiership and in the English Premiership matches. So let's start in Scotland um, and let's start with the league champions, of course, Celtic, um, who are at home to Livingston. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to go for a, a, a Celtic victory, obviously. I think they're they're really, really strong squad and um, a lot of really positive results and I think with Rangers on their tail I think they're they're obviously going to make sure that they get a good result so I'm going to predict the, a 3-0 to Celtic 3-0 Celtic I've gone with 3-1 uh, I think Livingston will battle quite hard and Nick maybe a goal late on but as you say Celtic just have too much quality and really played well yeah. obviously some of the players like Ryan Christie played really well last night for Scotland in their win over Kazakhstan so I just think Celtic will have too much but I really want Livingston yeah. to do well because I, I really like Gary Holt I think he's a really good manager and I really want them to stay yeah. up. Um, next up is Jack Ross's first game in charge of Hibs at home to Motherwell. Yeah, so I think that's, I know it's, it's always that one when a new manager comes in and, the, and the, everyone's behind it, a really positive, it's a fresh start um, and they'll do all they can, press the manager. So yeah, I think that's going to be a, uh, a victory to Hibs. So but it's going to be close, but I'm just going to go for a 1-0. 1-0. I've gone for a score draw because I think Motherwell are an interesting team under Stephen Robinson. Yeah. They don't lose many games and I've been really impressed with them this season. Um, as you say, a new manager, usually they get that proverbial bounce, so to speak. But this is a tricky game and Motherwell are really flying at the moment and I'm going to go for 1-1 as a result. By the way, Lee okay. Mayer went 2-1 Hibs on this one. so uh, he, okay, went, yeah, he, yeah. he went 4-0 Celtic well, as well. What's that, sorry? They're <laughs> all different, which is good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up is Kilmarnock against Hearts. Yeah, okay. Uh, um, I'm just going to go. I think Hearts are going to take this one again. Mm -hmm. I just think, yeah, with everything that's going on, except I think they're going to get it. Um, I know they haven't particularly played well for a lot of the season. I'm just going to go for another close one. It's going to be 2-1. That's interesting. We've all got for something different here. Lee went with 2-2. I went 1-0 Kilmarnock because Angela Alessio's sides don't concede very many goals. Yeah. And uh, I guess it's going to be a really tight game. Um, and I think yeah. it'll be separated by one goal. So I've went 1-0 Kilmarnock. Now, big okay. game down at St. Minnan, which Lee told me he was going to. Uh, St. Minnan against Ross County. Now, we've both went 2-1 here to St. Minnan. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm going to go at going to go against you and, and I'm just going to say one's going to be a 1-1 one, one draw. 1-1 one, one draw. Oh, it could well yeah. be. Ross have been in a poor run of form. They really could do with a result. But I guess it's a big game and if Simon are going to stay up, this is the sort of games they need to win. But I have a little bit of a soft spot for Ross Kay. I've got a few friends on this podcast who who are big county yeah. fans so I usually have a little bit of a wind up now and again on various social media when they don't get wins. So yeah. usually and Lee will have a soft spot for St. Mirren as well. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now we're on to Sunday's games and we kick off with Hamilton against Rangers. 
You've went with the same as Lee. He went 3-0 as well. I've went 3-1 because Hamilton are a strange team at home. They, they usually are very tough to beat at home. And obviously Rangers adapting to the artificial surface might take them a little bit of time. But I, again, I think the quality that yeah. Rangers have will be too strong. Yeah. But I do see yeah. Hamilton well, causing... Can... Sorry, I do. Yeah, you can... I think you can sometimes get some quality on that type of pitch as well. And it's quite a pitch, so yeah. Yeah. Have you girls played on any artificial surfaces, by the way? I forgot to maybe mention that earlier on. Uh, yeah, so quite a mixture, but yeah, quite a lot of them are now, and, and obviously a lot of the clubs, like, will play Hamilton next season who do play on the artificial surface in their game, so yeah, you, you do quite often play on a lot of artificial surfaces. Uh, again, some players will like it in terms of uh, you're able to shift the ball about quite quickly, etc., and it moves quickly, but others don't like due to sort of impact injuries, etc., that niggles and things can cause, so yeah, mixed mixed feelings about them. Yeah, awesome. I, I completely agree with that, to be honest. Um, and now, speaking of Aberdeen, the men are away to Perth on Sunday against St Johnston. Yeah, obviously I'm back the Dons. They're going to have, again, um, a couple of players back from international training in the new facilities. I think they've making good use of that. Um, and it's great. Probably had a lot more time together on the pitch. And I think um, that's obviously going to do them in the, in the future and so it'll take months for them to be an impact on that. But I do think I'm back to the Dons and I'm going to go for a 2-0. You went with the same as me. I've also went 2-0 Aberdeen. Lee went with 1-0. Um, I, I think Aberdeen usually do quite well down at Perth in recent times and I just think they'll uh, get a win, especially with St Johnston having a really bad result against Hibs before the international break. Let's move into yeah. the English Premiership. Um, now, I made my prediction on this first game before Maurizio Pochettino got sacked with Spurs. And to be fair, oh, to be yeah. fair, Lee did as well. So it's okay. West Ham against Spurs. Uh, I'm not going to change my prediction because of this podcast, but I went 1-1. But now, obviously, with Mourinho coming in, I maybe would have changed my mind, but I'm going to stick with the game. I'm going to stick with 1-1. Lee's went 2-0 Spurs. Okay, like... Um yeah, I, I I think there's going to be, I think Nino's going to be a tough start with. I think um, it wouldn't surprise me if the result goes against him, right? Yeah, going a bit of pressure on him. So mm. um, I'm going to go away and I'm going to say the Spurs are going to lose 1 0 to West Ham. Ooh, 1 0 West Ham. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I certainly keep an eye on that one. Um, do you think Mourinho will do well at Spurs? Yeah, I think so. I think probably. It, you know they need they need that change probably they've not won um, a lot of any silverware for a long time and I think Mourinho is probably the type of manager that can get you that success. Yeah. Um, but it's very very tough for steps to go in so um, I think you'll get mixed reactions to start. Yeah. Put him under a pressure, but yeah, I think. I think he, he probably will do quite well as first. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll certainly keep an eye on that, that's for sure. Uh, next up is Arsenal against Southampton, who are really struggling at the moment. Mind you, Arsenal aren't doing much better either. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I'm going to have to go for the Gunners, though. I think, again, they've just got quality players that, that can get results when, when needed at times as well. But So I'm just going to go for... Um, 
a 2-0 for the, the Gunners. You've also gone with the same as Lee on this one. I've, I've went 3-0 Arsenal. I think they'll get a convincing win to ease the pressure on Unai Emery. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the weekend, Ralph Hasenhutl possibly loses his job. So uh, I'm yeah. really worried for him. Uh, and I'm going to go for an easy win for Arsenal. Now, next up is a really good game. And myself and Lee have went contradictory ways on this one. Uh, Bournemouth okay. against Wolves. Which one is it, sorry? Bournemouth Wolves. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They both like had really, really good performance in the season as well. So uh, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to just going to stay in the middle then, and I'm going to go for a, a 2-2 draw here. Ooh, interesting. So I went with Wolves to win 2-1, and Lees went with yeah. Bournemouth to nick it 1-0. I think Wolves right. have got a lot yeah. of momentum at the moment, especially after their good yeah. run in the Europa League. And I think they're going to carry that on into the league. And... I just think they'll start moving up that table again very soon, but it certainly will be interesting. Now, next yeah. up is my team of the season so far, and my bold prediction at the start of the season on this podcast was I felt that Leicester would get in the top four. Um, they're away to Brighton. Yeah, I think, yeah. Leicester looked brilliant this season, mm. and yeah, and under uh, Brendan Rodgers, just the, the football that they play has been fantastic. They seem to be bringing out the best in a lot of different players, which is Absolutely. great. So, yeah, 100%. I'm going to go for Leicester again, and I think they might get a few goals as well again, so I'm going to go for 3 0. 3 0 Leicester, interested. So yeah. Lee's went with 2 0. I've went actually with a score draw here because Brighton are a good side at the Amex, yeah, and this is a tricky, yeah. tricky away game this for Leicester. I wouldn't be surprised if they drop points, so I went 1 1 on this one. Yeah. Next. I felt Brighton were really poor against Manchester United. They were. So they, they, were might, they might have to bounce back from that, but we'll see. They were very poor, but I, I also thought they were a little bit unlucky at times as well. But I, I, man, you are my team, so I wasn't disappointed at all about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> next up is the league leaders and, well, runaway league leaders at the moment. Liverpool away to Crystal Palace. Yeah, I just can't. I just can't. Tactically, Crystal Palace cause problems. I think that they'll make it quite hard for Liverpool, but I just think the class Liverpool have got and the moment that they've got um, and both good at school scoring ability that they've got again I'm going to say that they're going to go 2-1 2-1 Liverpool so I'm going 2-0 and uh, Lees went 3-1 Liverpool so we've each gone for an away win next up is Everton and Norwich two sides who desperately could do with the result especially Norwich yeah, yeah I think um, again um, a difficult one as well both teams have struggled a wee bit at times I think I'm going to go for Everton for this one I think they really really need it well there's a lot of pressure on them and they're a big club that need it so I'm going to go for a 1-0 Everton uh, so I've went with 2-1 uh, Everton but Kenny McLean to score for Norwich and uh, Lee, Lee Mayer obviously former teammate of Kenny so he went 1-0 Norwich yeah. so uh, I, know, I, should, I have got a soft spot for Kenny but yeah, yeah I think yeah, Everton yeah, yeah. so Benson let's see how they get on I would be surprised if Norwich did get something on Saturday. It would be a tough game for Everton. It's a big game for both teams, as I said. Yeah, now, yeah. now, next up is Watford against Burnley. Not sure what to call this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is just one of those games that you would probably put as a, a no-score draw. So I'm going to go for a nil-nil. I've also gone for a nil-nil. Lee's went with a 1-1, so we've all gone for a draw on this yeah, one. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so it could be interesting. I just think also possibly might swing it in Watford's favour is the fact that they did win against Norwich before the international break and got off the bottom. Yeah. 
So we'll see what happens there. Now, the evening game, which I might try and catch on my phone if we're uh, travelling back up the road from Gart Cairn on Saturday, depending if we've lost or won, is uh, Man City against Chelsea. Oh, that's a great game again. Um, I predict loads of goals here. Yeah, this could be this could be high goal scoring. Um, I just love the way Frank Lampard's got Chelsea playing um, with a lot of freedom, confidence. I think Man City again. There's a lot of pressure on them after Liverpool. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I don't know. I, I think again after that that defeat from Liverpool against Man City. I'm going to go for Chelsea nicking it, you know. Ooh, interesting. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go for a 3-2 Chelsea. Well, interesting. So, Lee's went with two each. I've went 3-2 City. And, and I'll tell you, I actually make a very interesting point because Chelsea under Lampard are really playing some great football at the moment. I, I think this sort of game could really suit them because City aren't very good defensively this season. And I, I don't. Yeah. I think City are at the stage now in the season where they can't afford to lose any more games. You know, they're, eight yeah, po they're nine points yeah, behind Liverpool. That. So, it's a sort of game they can't afford to lose. And really, it's a game that Chelsea can't afford to lose either because if Liverpool win early on they could be maybe even 11 points clear so it's yeah. a huge huge game for both teams but I just think there's yeah. going to be loads of goals and uh, I'll try and yeah. uh, watch it now we've said this it'll probably be nil-nil so, yeah, so. yeah you're right now Sunday's game is uh, my uh, English team United away to Sheffield United um, yeah I think I think uh, you know if, if you'd asked me this um while ago, I probably would have gone for maybe a draw, but having watched Man United recently, I think they've really started to, to connect, and you can maybe see that, that counter-attacking through football. Yeah. But times maybe a team can set up to stop that happening, so I'm going to go for a Man United win, but not a massive victory. I'm just going to go for a 1-0 for United. So Lee's also went with a United win 2-0. I've went with a score draw because I, I went 1-1. I've really been impressed with Chris Wilder this season and I think he's doing a fantastic job there. United away from home in times just when you feel like they're making some progress they kind of slip back and they go and lose yeah. against Bournemouth or something like that which they did quite recently. So I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if United dropped points here and obviously with the news obviously coming out today that Pochettino uh, has been sacked and Mourinho's come in. Pochettino could he potentially go to United if if he, could it he kind of increase the pressure on Solskjaer if United uh, drop points again here so uh, I've went 1-1. Now Monday night game, uh, last to finish up is uh, Aston Villa who with uh, Scottish uh, sensation John McGinn in the team at home to Newcastle. Oh yeah another tough one I guess um I think I'm going to go for a Newcastle victory here. I'm going to go again another close one, so I'm going to go two-one for Newcastle. Two-one Newcastle, interested. Yeah. So, well, yeah. the the boys have gone against you on this one, Emma. So I've I've went two-nil Villa um, with a McGinn inspired performance, and uh, Lee's went two-one Villa. So uh, we shall okay. see. We shall yeah. see very much what happens there. Well, thank you very much uh, for being involved in my predictions, um, and thank you to my listeners for tuning in to another episode of Campbell's Footballs, the only podcast where bad predictions are cancelled out by good crack I hope the show is just what the doctor ordered Emma it's been a real privilege to chat to you on this week's show no thank you so much for having me and again just appreciate all the coverage that, that uh, the women's team getting in Aberdeen and, and um, hopefully it, it continues and please if you're around and you ever see a game come along and I'm sure you'll be impressed 
If that's not a plug, I don't know what is. Remember, exactly. you, re remember you can catch up with all my previous shows on SoundCloud. My previous podcast with Lee Mayer is currently up on SoundCloud. And this podcast is obviously available on your uh, other stations as well. Uh, you can follow the Campbell's Footballs page on Facebook. You can follow me at Stato underscore Grant on Twitter or StatoG91 on Instagram. And uh, Emma, I just want to finish up by saying a really good luck uh, to the Aberdeen FC women for their season going forward and I just wish you all the best. Thank you so much.